Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. Fun Belt Podcast. It's just a, a great conference that is at a, at a point right now where they're, I think, clearly the best group of five conference in the country. The state of Sunbelt football is the strongest in our history. Uh, and we got to continue to showcase uh, what our league is about. This league is insane. Yeah, it might be like one of those eight wonders of the world. <laughs> and you can see just what a great group of five conference it really is. It, it's a big deal. Boy, life is looking pretty good in the Sunbelt these days. Belt Podcast, another episode coming at you. Jeremy, we're at episode 23. It's the Michael Jordan episode. Are we gonna I, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing for Sunbelt, but uh, we are going to talk new members. Okay. And not to get political with you, but this expansion has been kind of crazy. We had Marshall. Oh, yeah. We had to wait on a new president yeah. of Marshall, not the U.S., yeah. Uh-huh. We had to wait on an athletic director at Marshall. Yeah. Uh-huh. And now Go we on. have James Madison uh-huh. that is waiting on the gubernatorial election. The governor himself has to sign off on it. I tried to get John Bell Edwards of Louisiana to sign off, but he couldn't do it. I mean, Louisiana has Napoleonic Code, weird <laughs> laws. I was like, surely he can do something, but no, he couldn't. Huh, you know, it's funny that that something that has become na- on the national stage now of politics is somehow affecting the Sun Belt. I, it's, it's like almost like the Sun Belt, the universe, it's expanding beyond sports. That maybe the Sun Belt will have some sort of gravity that has an effect on this election. What do you think, Tibbs? You know what I'm happy about, though? No. We had Keith Gill on. He said he had not been to Huntington in years. I saw that he was at the press conference, so he's been back to Huntington. Uh huh, and I think that was a little bit of bull. I think that it really was him that was secretly seen hanging out in Huntington. Now he might deny that, but I'm beginning to think maybe there was something to that room. Well, we're not here to talk about Marshall or Keith Gill. We love you. No, Keith. no. 
We right. are here to talk royalty. <laughs> All right. The Dukes <laughs> of James Madison and our man Shane Metlin is here <laughs> to discuss the latest James Madison. Shane, welcome in. Tell us, where do we stand on getting James Madison to the Sun Belt or even into FBS? It's going, <clears throat> excuse me, it's going to happen. There's just uh, some red tape that has to be uh, scissored away at this point. Um, there's a lot of committees and things that have to approve the move up in division for James Madison is, is the main thing. The, in Virginia, if you're doing anything major with your athletic department, whether it's going from D3 to D2 or adding a football program or anything like that, it's got to be approved by the General Assembly of the state. And that's what JMU is waiting on right now. They're going to meet on Friday, and that should be the basically the final step right there. So if that's, that's the final step to getting into the FBS, how long has JMU even kind of um, – uh, wrestled with this idea of jumping up? Has this been something long in, in coming or is this something that suddenly kind of fall into your laps and you're like, yes, let's make this move. Oh, if you ask some uh, JMU fans, they'll say it's been uh, coming for uh, probably centuries. That's <laughs> what oh, it feels like to them. Um, no, um, the Sunbelt visited JMU during the last round of expansion, the 2012, 2013, 2014 kind of round of expansion, uh, Carl Benson, when he was commissioner, he was in Harrisonburg, met with the president and stuff. At the time, JMU just kind of said, the leadership of JMU said, we're not ready to go FBS quite yet. And they did a lot over the past decade, you know, building up facilities, increasing the budget, things like that. If you ask a lot of their fans, they'll say, that was a mistake. We should have gone eight years ago. They're good. They're good now. They're like, okay, we, we finally did it. But I think there was a lot of them that were thinking, okay, it's never going to happen. We, you know, as much as they wanted that, um, they were they were kind of you know skeptical it was ever going to happen because they really turned it down the opportunity in the past. You know, I'm a I'm a citizen of Arkansas State University, and we had a FCS, which back then it was like Division Two or whatever you called it back then, but let's call it FCS. And FCS passed where where we were very successful. Uh, we won a few championships. We, we, it was a pretty good brand. We bumped our brand up to FBS and we struggled for a while. And there was a lot of old timers, a lot of the, the old crew at Arkansas State that would be like, we should never have jumped up. We belonged into, in the FCS. We were happy in the FCS. Why, should we, why did we do something like this? Is there any sort of old crew old school guys at JMU who, who are opposed to the sleep? Yeah, I think that is kind of, you know, the, the divide. It's the, the younger fan base, the, you know, the school's grown so much in the last 20 years that there are just a lot more young alumni at this point than, um, you know, some of the older, older people. And, you know, they're kind of exerting their influence now. Um, but yeah, there, there is that, small, I, th I think it's the minority, but there is a small, um, somewhat influential group of people that would rather say FCS and, um, you know, continue to compete for a national championship at that level and things. But at the same time, you look at what <clears throat> JMU has done. They just, they pump, they're playing in the Colonial Athletic Association and they're spending five or six times as much on athletics as everybody else in that league, other than Delaware, which, you know, spends about half of what JMU does. And, 
why, what are you doing? Why are you pumping all this money into it? If that's where you want to stay, because you either have to move up and compete with people that are on your level, or you got to cut that budget. And I, I just don't see them cutting back on their spending at this point. Once the toothpaste is out of the tube at the, at that. So at the end of the day, to be successful, you really got to have some money to be able to fund the athletics. Like you said, they're spending so much money. The student fees are outrageously high compared to probably where the rest of us are. And, and yes, I'm still several years removed from college, but I have kids in college right now that I'm like, damn it, that student fee. <laughs> how is that going to impact this move or how will that impact as far as, I mean, you have almost $2,400 a semester of, of student fees. Where's all that money going to? Um, you know, they, they fully fund every, every team with full scholarships uh, to the NCAA limit. Um, so they, th- that's where a lot of the money goes. You know, it's, they spend $58 million on athletics. It doesn't all go to football. They, they, you know, they've just had so much success in some of the women's sports and everything. That's where a lot of it's going. They've got to, you know, whether it's manipulating the accounting or, you know, rearranging some things. There's a lot of weird state laws in Virginia. We, we did kind of hit on it about, um, you know, waiting until the governor's election is over because they have to get a state approval. Um, beyond that, there's, if you're moving up to the FBS level, they have to make it so less than 55% of the athletic budget is coming from those student fees. And they say they got it in line. They say, you know, that's decreasing the, um, the media revenue is going to increase the they're counting on, you know, better donations because people are going to be excited about this move, I think is a big thing. Um, they also have spent this past decade building up the facilities. So they won't be pumping as much money into that aspect of it in the uh, future. They still got to pay off the uh, arena I'm sitting in right now, which will take a, take a while, but <clears throat> they're not, they're not pumping quite as much uh, money into the, you know, the debt service and everything at this point. So football really seems to kind of drive everything. And I mean, this program has been super successful last non-winning season. And I say it like that, it was six and six in 2013. What's been kind of the secret to the sauce of, of keeping James Madison uh, atop the CAA and FCS? You know, they, they've hired good coaches. They recruit in-state pretty well. Um, they, they've been recruiting at the FBS level, I would say. You know, they go against, you know, Old Dominion and, you know, even Marshall and App State, but, you know, particularly maybe some Mac schools things. They go against them in recruiting and hold their own. Um, they have incredible facilities for the FCS level, which is like hits on everything we've been talking about. Like they built it up to not stay in, at the FCS level. Um, so they've just been ahead of the game as far as facilities and things like that compared to other FCS programs. Um, and, you know, really just, other than, you know, maybe in North Dakota State and some of those type of programs, they have a fan base that cares about football and they care about JMU. It's, I don't know if it's partially because, uh, you know, the mountain geography and everything. There's just this area of Virginia where you're a little bit separated from Virginia Tech and Virginia. And there's a pocket of people who, um, you know, this is the hometown team. And, you know, maybe they do root for UVA or Virginia Tech a little bit, but uh, there's also – you know, a good number of people who would just consider themselves JMU fans, even for a smaller school. Shane, I, I have a, uh, a two-part question for you. Okay. okay. I, I hope you can juggle these balls. 
Uh, one, uh, who are your your chief? And I'm not just talking about football. Uh, I mean, I'm talking about the whole spectrum. Who are your chief rivals now? And once you get into the Sun Belt, who do you anticipate will be your rivals coming in? Well, I'll start with the second part because th- this is a big, big deal. It's like, you know, they were looking for rivals. And when it was going to be the ODU and Marshall were also joining the Sun Belt, those are just the natural ones. You know, ODU's in state. Um, they've been in the CAA together before. Um, you know, Marshall's a pretty short drive. You know, Rockingham County, where we are, it borders West Virginia. Um, it's kind of the middle of nowhere once you cross that line in West Virginia, but it's a, it's a border. It can be a border right. rivalry. It could be something that people, you know, get into, um, you know, app state will be another one just cause there's some, it's not a far drive. It, there's some history at the FCS, the one double a level uh, from, you know, playoff games, things like that. Um, so those are the teams I think, you know, people are really looking forward to that. They'll make up that East division. Going back to the first part of that question, it's, that was the thing that part of the reason it drove JMU to look for another conference is there wasn't yeah. really huge rivalries in the CAA anymore. The CAA used to be a very Virginia centric league and it used to be one of the best mid-major basketball leagues in the country. So you had JMU, ODU, George Mason and VCU when they were making final four runs, the CAA basketball tournament in Richmond was an event in the state. Like, People from all over, you know, different alumni bases would converge on Richmond and it was a big party. That hasn't been the case, you know, since a lot of those schools left the conference. JMU, they've got a big football rivalry with Richmond, but they've been kind of kicking Richmond all over the field recently. Um, they don't play Richmond in other sports, really, because Richmond um, is in the Atlantic 10 and everything else. Um, the in-state rivalry for CAA and other sports is William and Mary, but it's just not really a rivalry. Um, <clears throat> during COVID, they went an entire calendar year without playing each other in anything, and nobody really noticed or cared. Nobody was like, <laughs> "Oh no, like, I missed that the William and Mary." Game. <laughs> nobody cared. Like it's just that. So that's one of the big things. Jeff Bourne, the JMU athletic director, has been talking about. You can go back over a year, and he's been dropping hints that you know, they were looking for a move up and looking for a new conference is that, you know, we've got to get back to where we can play regional rivalries that our fans are going to care about. And, you know, they'll, you know, probably continue to play some non-conference basketball games with George Mason. That'll be a big thing. And they'll play, you know, maybe they'll play Richmond as their, you know, FCS opponent in football a lot of years, but those ODU games are going to be huge. And the Marshall games are going to be big and the App State games are going to be big. That's correct. Cause we, you know, with the Sun Belt, uh, Actually, actually, have done a good job of building rivalries, especially out east. It seems like out east is where, you, where there's a big clump now of, of schools that really have some genuine, I don't like to say, no, I do like to say, hate for each other. And uh, I think that's going to be really cool to see what G- JMU brings to that table. By, the, you by talking- the way, though, Shane, Jeremy's just jealous because Arkansas State has no rival. He's trying we don't have a rival. to type it up. That Texas yeah. State's their rival. He calls them the boob cats. We can't seem to get it going. No. Yeah. So, no. so if you would like a rival, I'm, I'm sure Arkansas State and Jeremy on their behalf is, you know, more than willing to kind of fill that void. Red yeah, Wolves, I mean, Dukes, just <laughs> hatred. Can we build that up? Yeah, we, we can see what we can do. I, I'm curious about, you know, the West Division. We will don't know as much about here. Like, you know, um, 
you mentioned Arkansas State looking for that rivalry. I, I kind of assumed maybe it would be some of the Louisiana schools, but like, what? Who are the big rivals in the West? If 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 there are any, it, uh, the it, it honestly hate each other. Yeah, it uh, seems like it's everybody against Louisiana Lafayette. Everybody hates those guys right now. <laughs> yeah. They've had a string of good seasons. Uh, they're very cocky about it. So and rightfully so, they've done very well. They 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 put serviceable basketball teams out there. They put out a great baseball team. Great softball. Great softball. Great football. Uh, they 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 have a pretty ambitious uh, athletic department. So out west, Louisiana's the the king of the crop. It used to be for a while it was Troy, then Troy moved east, and now they're moving back west. And for a while it was Arkansas State. Arkansas State had several years of good times. Uh, ULM every now and then busts out a season that you just didn't, didn't see happening. This happens to be one of those years. But we're not here to talk about the S the Sun Belt uh, West. We're here to talk about. JMU and maybe a little bit about basketball is there uh, you know we're, we're Stumpelt has in the past or maybe in the recent past has struggled a little bit on basketball but there, there seems to be some new energy around basketball is JMU a basketball school or is it a football school it's a football school especially right now but I think there's a basketball school waiting to come back here. <laughs> if you look at back at the history of JMU, they kind of built it on basketball. Um, this was a small school in the early 80s. They were playing Division three football in the late 70s. Um, it was a mainly a female teacher school for a long time. And yeah. they, they had a president a long time ago, uh, and Ron Carrier, who wanted to build it up into what it is today. And he saw athletics as a way to do that. And, you know, he hired some good basketball coaches in the early eighties. JMU was kind of one of those original Cinderella teams. They went to the NCAA tournament and they beat, you know, high major teams in the first round, three straight years. Uh, That coach ended up going to Cal. Um, They had some good teams in the nineties, but struggled in a conference tournament and then make a lot of NCAA tournaments. Um, And then, the past, you know, 15 years or so have been not so great, but they're investing a ton of money in basketball. I'm sitting in a brand new $140 million arena right now. Um, wow. That, you know, is one of the nicest in the country. Like really it, it's, it's kind of incredible the amount of money they've uh, invested in that they're paying, you know, you guys know uh, Mark Byington from his Sunbelt days. They, you know, hired him away from Georgia Southern uh, pretty much doubled his salary to get him here. Uh, so they're investing in basketball and they're, they're looking for that to, uh, you know, turn around pretty quickly and, you know, see better days. Well, you also talk, we talk about football a lot. We talk about basketball. What else does JMU bring to that table? And it could be anything like, oh, well, women's soccer or, or Arkansas State has a bowling team. I don't know if you guys knew that. Is there anything that you guys that are strong in that we should be looking out for? Oh, well, you mentioned the Louisiana softball. I think a lot of people are looking forward to uh, okay. maybe developing a rivalry there. Uh, JMU's coming off a, a women's college world series appearance uh, last spring. Um, they've, they've been a solid softball program for a long time. Um, so I, that, and they've done that with a lot of local talent too. So that's a sport that a lot of uh, JMU fans are, are pretty, pretty into right now. Um, women's basketball has got pretty good tradition. Um, the men's soccer program, which sounds like the Sunbelt's going to bring back men's soccer. That's been a, a top 25 program for the past two or three or four years. So it, 
those are some sports I expect them to have some pretty good success in when they switch leagues. So with y'all getting ready to make the jump to FBS and the Sun Belt, what concerns do you hear fans really talking about as they get ready to make these kind of double doozy uh, changes there? I think, you know, they want to keep the football success going. They don't necessarily aren't necessarily going to enjoy it if it's, you know, four and six, you know, four and eight seasons here to make the transition. Um, there's also, you know, concerns about the finances to no date making making that transition from being student fee based to being donor based, I think is a big concern and like where that's going to come from. Cause they don't, like I mentioned before, they're pretty, they went from being a small school to a big school. They don't have that big fish alumni necessarily to donate millions of dollars at a time. So they, they look for a lot of uh, Duke club members to make, you know, their little contributions based on that. Um, those are, I think are the big things they, they're kind of walking out with the timing of this, just, you know, if there's any, any luck involved with COVID happening, it's that <laughs> they're going to already be over that 65 scholarship limit and already, already be building towards the 85 scholarships at the FBS level because they were able to keep some of those people on for their COVID years. So they're already like 70 some scholarships this year. Um, so that transition will go a little bit faster for them as far as just getting up to the scholarship numbers that a lot of uh, a lot of FCS programs have to deal with when they move up. So uh, this is a question that Dusty usually asks, but I'm going to jump ahead of Dusty on it. And be, I'm going to be the one to ask the question. Uh, what kind of traditions can we look forward to seeing from Jamie? Maybe something that maybe you guys do that that not everybody does, or maybe only you guys do. What, what would be the scene if we were to come over to uh, – Watch the Dukes in action. Uh, whoever cleans up your stadium is probably not going to like the streamers that they sneak in and toss whenever there's a touchdown. Ah, score. Yeah. Um, yeah. So th- that's one of their big things. Uh, it used to be like a big basketball thing too, but it's kind of moved to football when there's a touchdown score, they toss the purple and gold streamers. Um, so that's, that's a big one. That's kind of, you know, probably the most notable, noticeable thing for the, uh, for the fans of other programs, I would say. Now as a mascot, do you have a Duke? It's a Duke dog. It's a uh, bulldog who wears a crown, and uh, yeah, oh, he's pretty cool looking. Yeah. Now, do you have a do you have a real dog? Uh, this guy's in a uh, he's in a suit. Oh, I think there, there, there is a bulldog around, but he he's not around a lot. The the Duke dog will be in a suit around a lot of games. Well, okay, all right. Do y'all have a real red wolf? Oh yeah, yeah. We actually set them loose on opposing fans. Yeah, when, we uh, saw what happened with Coastal when they decapitated him. <laughs> That's right. No, but we talk about getting a live mascot all the time. It's always the same thing. Then we start talking about the logistics. Well, somebody will have to take care of the dog and feed it and do all this. And it's just like, oh my God. It's like getting a pet at home. <laughs> yeah, it's like all those, all those things you got to think about. But uh, no. So what else is there to know about James Madison? Obviously, you know, the, the good old streamers. I like that idea. Uh, yeah. What are the good new cool. traditions that y'all have? Uh, that's a big one. You know, they, uh, they, you know, big on their purple. They play, play start wearing purple before the games and, you know, purple rain after a victory. They, they, they love their purple. Uh, purple yeah. rain after a victory. That is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm loving that. You know what? 
you guys in Louisiana should be a little bit nervous about these about JMU appropriating purple because purple's supposed to be the purview of the of the of the uh, state of Louisiana. Am I right? It it, it it they'll just blend in with all the LSU fans at a ULM game, so it's, well, it's really not not a big. Y'all yeah. have a huge following, at least by purple and gold standards, in Monroe, Louisiana. <laughs> yeah. They'll blend right in. They'll be like secret agents. Oh my they, god! They really will. They really will. <laughs> uh, well, you'll sound a lot smarter than those guys. That's what we'll give them away. Is is the <laughs> intelligence? So, what kind of school though is JMU? You know, you talking like back in the day, it was a school known for churning out uh, teachers. What what is JMU today? Um, it's pretty all encompassing um, campus. You know, they they've kind of you know because they've grown, they've been able to do some focus on some technology things. Uh, you know, <clears throat> cybersecurity, things like that. I know they've turned out a lot of people in that those fields recently. Even even some of their athletes have been kind of getting into that field. So it's a you know, that's a big one for them recently because it's when when you're growing, it's easier to add those new programs as they come along. <laughs> that's true. You can jump in head first into those uh, those those new uh, those new lines. Uh, really can, yeah, and not have to move a, a mountain to make it happen. That's uh, that's what we have. We just wanted to introduce our listeners and the Sun Belt to hopefully, fingers still crossed, new member of the Sun Belt Conference, the James Madison Dukes. Looking forward to it. Shane will be hitting you up once it's official, getting you back on here. Well, giving you the formal, formal wel- welcome into the Sun Belt Conference. Unfortunately, you got to deal with Jeremy, but you know it's it's still a a, a good welcome package. And we're gonna look for Shane on the uh, on on uh, press row, right? He's gonna be out well, there, right? They got me up in the uh, concourse level. So, Shane, where can our listeners uh, find more information out about you and and your coverage of the Dukes? Um, it's the uh, Daily News Record in Harrisonburg. You can look at dnronline.com. Dnronline.com. Thank you very much, Shane. We do appreciate it. All right, thanks, guys. Thanks.